Are your wiper blades chattering, skipping, or squeaking? Don't let streaks or smearing on your windshield compromise your visibility. When it's time to replace your wiper blades, stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts and see our selection. Our professional parts people will even install your new wiper blades while you wait. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. What's the best way to fish like a local? What if you could book a trip with an experienced local guide with the click of a button? Now you can with Fishing Booker. Now anyone can access enjoyable fishing experiences anywhere. Take the legwork out of setting up that trip and explore more than 30,000 fishing experiences at your fingertips. Just go to fishingbooker.com to get started and book your trip with a local guide. That's fishingbooker.com. Fishing Booker. Fish like a local. Are you looking for relentless performance for your firearms? If so, Riptide Armory is the ultimate destination for superior gun cleaning and protection. Riptide Armory offers American-made, innovative products out of Arvada, Colorado. Whether it's the delicate finish of a collectible or the rugged exterior of a tactical weapon, you can clean without risk of damage. Visit RiptideArmory.com and discover the difference true quality can make for your firearms. Riptide Armory, a veteran-founded business. I'm KC. And I'm Tyler. And you're listening to The Element Podcast. Welcome to the Element Podcast, brought to you by First Light Gear. I am your toast, <laughs> as in a guy who's real tired, Casey Smith, and I'm sitting here on the couch that is not from Nebraska Furniture Mart. Nope, nope. This is from the back alley of somewhere in Highland Park, I believe. Probably so. Um, we are in Deer Camp. Tyler Jones is here. Yep, I'm your most. Most tired. <laughs> and El- Eric. Alec. Alec. There's about to be a bunch of that. Yeah, better than camera. Better, yep. better than camera for sure. Oh, my goodness, uh, y'all. Michael has a new nickname. <laughs> I don't know if we referred to this at any point, but KC called him camera on accident the other yeah, night. <laughs> I did, man. I just get tired. I just can't think. I'm dumb. Start creating it's just, taco milk. I know, man. Just camera. All the good stuff. Alec. Alec. That's right. All the He's a ones. relic of what Eric <laughs> <That's> was. <right. laughs> we have been glassing around and clowning around because, as you probably can tell, if you're listening to this right now, in the rut, things are hot. Mm-hmm. It's the second year in the row that we've dealt with this, but I believe that last year it got mm, a little bit better Maybe around the 10th or the 11th. Uh, I know that the 12th was a rage. We had a really good cold front around that time. And right now it seems that we don't really have anything like that in uh, in the forecast. Uh, we have a nice little front here on a Thursday, which will be the 9th. Um, and... <clears throat> I don't know how much that's going to bring us, but it is the most magical time of the year, even though I don't believe in such things. Uh, and uh, Times of years? Yeah. There's no such thing. Um, and um, 
It's a good time to be in the woods, right? I mean, I have to tell myself that. Yeah, you and have to. And what you're telling yourself? I'm looking at the weather report right now, and I'm not, I can't tell myself. Oh that. no, I don't know what's going on. Can't lie yourself, right, dude? It ain't a freezing temperature Mm-mm. past tomorrow until the twentieth. That's pretty bad. Where I'm at, that's bad news. Pretty bad. <laughs> so, in case you need some encouragement, <laughs> the deer have to do it. That's just do all there is to it. Dang, I don't know if they do, man. They do, man. I wonder if anybody's ever looked at that <clears throat> on years when there's like a pretty bad hot spill during the rut if um, there's a lower <clears throat> fawn crop for the next year. Yeah, it's interesting. It uh, probably isn't, but I just be it would be interesting to see or if there is actually more does that cycle in for the second go-around or something. Because they they get missed on the first one. How how um like at what point do you get close enough to a date that you can pretty much guarantee that if the weather says no cold front on that date that it will be no cold front on that date? Does that uh, make sense? Like, I think that things can change in, at four days out. Four days out. I I have a hard time See, believing that like an Arctic front can kind of develop and get here in three days. So, yeah, I guess that's what I was going to say is that's your question you know, right? in the south, kind of like or in the Midwest. Mm-hmm. But like, you know, if you were if you were in, you know, Montana, it might be different, I guess. Yeah. Well, they have completely different weather. You know, we talked to Corey a lot and uh, it's all he's like, oh, yeah, it's a bad one today, man. It's like negative five and snow. And we're like, wow, we don't have there's nothing that changed where we're at. Is it? Yeah. But I mean, like it can develop from the arctic and be there quickly i almost think it falls down out of the like, rockies the rockies yeah that's what i think yeah. a lot of that stuff does i and think for here too but like uh is a is a rocky front gonna be as cold as an arctic front probably just depends on the time of the year and the how low the 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 system is oh pressure yeah, wise. they killed that one didn't they something did <laughs> no. we're watching some boys on tv they netted as it. we do this killed it oh it got eat because they had that Radio caller on. Mm-hmm, that's right. Yeah. They led Wiley right to. They're them. catching some. <clears throat> this is mossy oak gamekeepers, and they're catching some uh, um, pronghorn antelope yeah. w- with the net guns, and they're netting them, and they just found number thirty three, just chewed up, Dead. <laughs> bad. <laughs> you know why? <clears throat> because after they netted it, its body temperature got to one oh nine. Yeah, point seven. Died. Yeah, real quick. <laughs> but. What are you getting now with this front thing? Like that? Maybe I'm just wondering. Like, I need some. I need some positivity, some hope. You know, I need well, some optimism. But I think that the trail camera will give you some optimism. Really? Yeah. Have I not looked at it in time? Well, I think that no, not right now. Oh. But I think that over the past week we've been pessimistic about the weather, and then you look at the trail camera, and there's shooter bucks on there. Maybe not in the past day, but there's a whole different set of circumstances that are affecting that. But. You know, yesterday we had a shooter buck on camera. It wasn't in this state, but it was elsewhere. Yeah. And uh, so if that happens again tonight, I'm going there <laughs> tomorrow night. I like it. I like that idea. <laughs> I mean, personally, I'm I, all about I've it. I've already thought about that. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of tasty looking treats walking around over there too. Yeah, I'm telling you, dude. <laughs> they're they're crop fed, man. Mm-hmm. Just GMO <laughs> organisms, dude. <laughs> Let's go. Dang, dude. So I'm gonna do this thing pretty soon. That uh, is like this little monitor thing that you hook on your arm, and it tells you what your blood glucose levels are and all kinds of other stuff. Man. And now, Michael and Greg have me wigged out that they're hiding a little bit of something, something in there. 
You got a needle yourself? I think you got to put. I think it's got like. A oh, you're for on. sure getting the vaccine, dude. Dude, I can't do it. <laughs> yeah, you have to because gonna, uh, if you don't, you get fired. No, that's not true. It's <laughs> not true at all. Actually, it might be the best outcome. <clears throat> anyway, we're gonna get in trouble. Uh, <laughs> Nobody's gonna listen, dude. <laughs> no, nobody right. listens to this podcast. The people do, man. The people. people that's we're, it, we're man. Glad you're we here. the people. Actually, I was just remarking to Tyler that. Um, getting a lot of messages on social media asking Taking the questions. nose off that pronghorn. This thing. <laughs> Sorry, dude, I can't. <laughs> um, and uh, I will tell you all this. I enjoy answering questions. Mm-hmm. I like talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. This is a very busy time of the year, not because I'm like such a cool guy and are busy, but it's just we're hunting, you know. Oh, I'm I know focused, that's why, man. why everybody has questions. But I will tell you that Reach out on the Element Instagram or Tyler and I's personals are fine too, and we'll get to you whenever we can. And it's not because we're like too cool for you, but it's just we're trying to kill some deer. But dude, I'm we, focused. We like answering the questions and stuff, so keep them coming. I mean, it sounds like I'm not focused, but I am. Yeah, I've uh, you know, we were talking about a phone call you and I were on earlier. Been in the phone call, and uh, I was like ready to be off of it pretty much the whole time because I was mm-hmm. just thinking about trying to. Basically, just thinking logistics that all lead to what I'm after, which is the goal of shooting the biggest buck of the year right now. Mm. So, Do you think this is going to be your biggest buck of the year? I mean, most of the time it is. And most of the time. You know? Mm-hmm. You shot a big buck already this year. I have. So, that's true. I, it would be hard to beat that one. Yeah. For sure. The buck that I don't know we, if we saw on trail camera recently probably would outscore the that nine deer. point mm-hmm. from this morning. This morning. Yeah. Oh, really? You think so? Yeah. That dude's a nine? I, think I was so. thinking you were talking about the big nine. Old oh, no, I don't think he'll beat him out. He won't score him? No, probably not. That one from this morning, his beams go out to the end of his nose. Maybe he has a short nose. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> it could be. Because people have short noses. He's, he, yeah, not me. Not you either. <laughs> no. <laughs> we got some pointy Pretty noses. nosy guys around we here. We are, dude. <laughs> It's weird how like I'm not really that nosy, but I am. Yeah, you know? that's right. That's right. Yeah, but that uh, same for me. I, I shot a pretty nice buck, not as big as yours, but a pretty nice buck recently. So it kind of makes the season be like, huh? I might be. I might have peaked as far as size goes, but maybe not uh, as far as um, just pure enjoyment of the hunt. You know, that's a whole oh for deal. sure, dude. I got some enjoyments to be had, dude. Michael's freaking out over <laughs> here, dude. He can't help himself. He just. What? I don't know. Sometimes I say things and he yeah. just makes a face like can't there's something him. like there's something wrong with it. Looking at deer. Looking at Michael shot a deer, deer recently. Guy. We'll talk about that later. Chintunian to the White Tail Bums podcast. White Tail Puns. Well, we're going to start one called the White Tail Puns. White Tail Puns. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so White Tail Buns would be the one I like. Sweet rolls, things like that. Yeah. 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 That'd be good. Oh, who was I thinking could do the whitetail nuns the other day? That would be a good one. Ah, I, I talked about it on the way up here. Who? Uh, so I can't is it not seeing any whitetail? No, none as in the N-U-N. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe Coach Prom. Um, <clears throat> is he a nun? No. Well, kind of. He looks like it. <laughs> He's got he the same color. He's black and white, white on right there. <laughs> <clears throat> but uh, anyways, today is a rut Q&A. Oh, yeah. And uh, I probably should have said that sooner. So we're going to wrap up our rut Q&A. We had about over 100 questions, it seems like, uh, for this thing. And we're going to try to get through them all today. Eric's here to 
to help us navigate um, all of these inquiries and try to give you the best answers we have. Sorry if this uh, podcast started out a little bit slow. Our, our brains are in a hundred different places, but all of those things lead to what is so funny? Dude, we the, gotta turn the number one hundred was on the TV when you said that, and there's no way you didn't look at the Listen, TV. Listen, guys, I didn't and see that. We're about to have to turn the TV off. It's on mute on the Outdoor Channel, and Tyler is just watching the TV. You said a hundred different reasons right when a hundred came up. You for sure got it off the TV. Maybe. It I, just I, does it. I feel like you're too creative of a guy to be stealing stuff from the Outdoor Channel. No, man, it's where I want to be. <laughs> one of these days, they'll put me on there. You think? Uh, yeah. On this show or just on the Outdoor Channel? On the Outdoor Channel. Gotcha. Yeah. They have this thing called, like, uh, Backwoods Law. You ever seen that? Yeah, probably. Or, like, Northwoods Law or Northwoods something? Northwoods Law, yeah. Yeah, I've seen that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That. It's like Maine or something. Or uh, what's that Texas one called? Texas. Texas Law. Is it? Texas style <laughs> law. No, there's like a Texas game warden I think it's show. called Sharia law now. Oh, no. That's in Ohio. Um, <laughs> I'll, I'll be on that uh, on that uh, Texas game warden show one of these days, I imagine. You think? Yeah. But probably not because for not I, wearing your blaze on yeah, the, it might be while it. you're it's in the probably, tree on It's public. not going to be because <laughs> I um, like accidentally, accidentally didn't do the right thing. It's going to be civil disobedience. I yeah. Think. yeah. You talked about that on Bear Grease. Yeah, that. that's right. Look at that mouse attacking I that guarantee you. I don't know. That problem was getting bitten by a mouse. <laughs> uh, okay. That is a, we are, I almost stepped on a snake today. Are, did you really? Yep. What kind? I think garter. What does a garter what snake it? look like? It's got like the greenish yellow stripes up and down it's it. Black. black. Yep. Mm -hmm. That was it. It's that's pretty cool. big, though. It's like probably yeah, like that long. That's about right. Yeah. So Kansas is one of those places that uh, <laughs> they uh, – make like nests so like 200 of those things in the winter only saw one thankfully. <laughs> <laughs> hey that scared me though because i was i just even going through that grass with like a yeah. 50 pound bag of corn you know yeah and uh dude something wiggles right in front of my next step <laughs> gave you the wiggle sticks didn't it <clears throat> yep, yep. For all sure. right eric you want right. to hit us with some questions? Yep, let's do uh, it. This you said that a lot of these would kind of pertain to the later part of the rut, right? So the whitetail rut is by no means wrapping up, but we have been through over a week of the whitetail rut, and you know, in a lot of places around the fifteenth or the sixteenth, things do change. A lot of the South it doesn't. A lot of the South it's just now getting started, or it's yeah. yet to. So there's a lot of things to look forward to as well. Yeah. Um. Anyways, if you're take listening it from Mississippi, cool. you know, might be on the way up. You know, it's about to go Mississippi. All right, first question. What kind of weight do you put into scrapes? Uh, tungsten. Mm -mm. um, <laughs> Y'all know we're going to – Look, they, they just got caught a baby, a caught baby, a baby. antelope with a <laughs> – no. Like a dip net, like Is a that real? That's a mininet for that sure. Real? Not a mininet, but did. a mininet. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Oh, my goodness, no, dude. Oh That's my a goodness. miniature Doberman picture. We should just do this instead. <laughs> this comment, commentary on what is on TV. <laughs> Baby antelope are the smallest things you've ever seen. Yep. Look at that. <clears throat> okay. okay. Question. Uh, weight into scrapes. Scrapes, yep. So let's apply this to like the rest of November. The back half of November? Yeah, say. let's do that. Okay. Or just say, what, the 10th through the 30th yeah. or so? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so I would I would say I put I still pretty, pretty, put a pretty good emphasis on it. I feel like this is, this is tough. Dude, the stages of the rut get so – convoluted and and 
it, like we travel so much, we see different mm -hmm. places that the rut is, you know, going on at this time. I feel time like a time. lot of that stuff radiates out of Iowa. I've said this before, yeah. and uh, it's very true for Iowa and like northern Missouri. But outside of that, some things can be pretty drastically different. Even yeah. not even, uh, you know, latitude wise. Like even just some of that stuff up north is different. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, so I would say that generally speaking across the U.S., that I would still put a pretty big emphasis on hunting good scrapes that look fresh mm -hmm. so if it looks like it's been worked uh maybe the leaves are mostly cleared out from it um the licking branch still looks to be you know used at some point um uh man that looks like it hurts um uh, <laughs> i would probably I, I think this is where i was going before i got distracted with the um jackrabbit no the midwest uh oh. radiation claws there um the the deer a lot of times will come out of the craziest part of the rut and then they'll get back into this um well there's not a whole lot of does that haven't been bred so i've got to find them so one way to do that is to check these um you know the cafe which is where the scrape is and everybody you know is there essentially mm -hmm. you know in scent and in spirit I'm kind of with you, I, I think, too, that, like, uh, especially maybe if you're not trying to kill the biggest, oldest buck in the woods, and maybe you just want to shoot a nice deer, um, as the peak days of, mm -hmm. like, active chasing go, so, like, say, like, the 7th through the 10th, as, that, as we go down the hill on the backside of that, I think that bucks definitely kind of go into a little bit more of that relaxed but still kind of ruddy, like I'm going to lick around on this tree branch and mm -hmm. rub my head a little bit. So you're liable to get – it's almost like there's a gap there, like right in the middle of the hottest part where it might not be as good on a scrape as it is on the shoulders. You know what I mean? Yep. So yep. that's kind of what I think about scrapes. Yep. I, I, the short answer, a lot of weight. It's yep. the best sign you can find. It is. Generally speaking, I think it's some of the best for sure. Best time of the day, and how long do you rattle? Mm. Best so, time of the day to rattle, or yeah. best time of the day in, in Yeah, best general. time of the okay. day to rattle, and how long? I like to rattle in the mornings. We were talking about this the other day, because there might be like some like subconscious thing of like, well, it ain't going to hurt anything. But I really do. I feel as if um, deer could potentially be working some things out. Maybe uh, bucks are headed back into the same bedding area, and they have encounters with one another. Um, so I feel like personally in the morning, I rattle more. Maybe I need to rattle more in the evening. I don't know. I might need to test that out some, but last year I killed a deer by rattling in the morning, right at sunrise. And, uh, it all depends on if you can see the deer or not. You know, if you can see a buck that you're rattling at, I think that long enough to get his attention and then maybe a little more still, depending on if he can see you or not, if he can see you. As soon as he looks, it's probably a good idea to stop. But if he can't see you, then you could keep on going for a bit. And as soon as he starts moving towards you, just then you can stop. Because what he what he's doing, he's trying to when he looks your way, he's trying to pinpoint where that sound is. And if you can maybe confuse him just a little bit, he may or may not be as um, precise with where he thinks you are, so he can't wind you as well when he comes over there to you. Mm -hmm. Now, if you 
or just blind rattling, I don't tend to do it all that long. I mean, I've I've seen some deer fights, uh, and it seems like to me a lot of them are over within a minute. That was a smoke. Uh, 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 within a minute, they're they're usually over. But sometimes I watched one in particular. Eric, you and I watched it. Um, they went on for like four or five minutes, and mm-hmm. it was two mondos, the two biggest deer I've ever seen. I think fighting. Uh, two biggest. Deer, so let me say that differently. The two biggest deer that I've ever seen in my life were fighting. Together, so we're talking like three hundred inches of antler, antler or more, getting after it, and uh, it that was, a was war. it was a war. It was insane. Yeah, I thought they were try- they were trying to kill each other. It was like it wasn't like a let's just duke this out or mm-hmm. let's just kind of have fun. They were trying to kill one another. Tyler, any other thoughts? No, I think you pretty much hit it on the or head. Do you think feel the same way about? Yeah, I think that my I think I would go ahead though and say that it actually isn't just subconscious. It is a conscious thing that the later in the morning is like, well, it won't hurt anything. So yeah. I think that's kind of. But is, so take that out of it though. So that's what I was kind of say is the subconscious of like, you have some confidence around in the morning because you know, it kind of didn't hurt anything. But so if you were just going to say, I don't know what is in this country. I've never been here before. Would you feel the best about rattling in a big buck in the morning or the evening? Um, aren't you glad I made this question harder than it was? <laughs> the I would if I mean, are you talking about killing the deer or just having him come in and you see him and then he blows out downwind potentially? <laughs> Probably killing. Was, I'd say most people are trying to kill him. I mean, that's one reason I wait till later in the morning. But I would say if a deer is bedded, you have a better chance of having an idea where he is at and calling to that so that he can't get downwind of you without coming within range very easily. So that's kind of – So you think the I would, evening – I would say like midday to to mid-afternoon kind of would be during the rut, like go in there, get downwind of bedding. That way they kind of have to – they can't just go a full 180 out wide away from you. I mean, they could, but they probably would come – you know, pretty close to you or within range before they get downwind, maybe. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But I, I don't – I hardly ever – like, I won't roll, I won't rattle until it's – I've rattled one time early in the morning and I killed a deer doing it. That Like, if you want to just have a buck come to you, I think as soon as you can see decent, rattling. Because the bucks are all on their feet mm-hmm. and they're going to be, you know, within earshot. And if they're not, then – they're going to be within earshot in 15 minutes when they travel down there or whatever. So Years ago, we had a guy on the podcast who, like, makes rattling antlers. He's from South Texas. Yeah, I can't yeah. remember that guy's name. But he said that – and this is a Texas – South thing, like Texas a, bangers. Yeah, that's it. He He's – like, Texas is, like, where the rattling thing came from, right? And so, like, those guys, especially down in the Golden Triangle, like, they have got a thing going. And he says, if you're going to rattle deer, just make it a rattling day. Just go out there and do it. Now, this is brush country tactics, so it's a little different, right? Mm-hmm. So you can just cover as much ground as you want to. But uh, that's the, he was he kind of said the same thing, from what I remember. He's like, mm-hmm. just start out. As soon as you can kill one, just go to rattling. Eric, how many questions do we have left? Do 15 we, to 20. Do we need to speed up probably a little bit? Uh if you want to get through all of them, yeah, probably. Okay. <laughs> do we do we want to get through all of them? Yeah, let's do it. Okay. All right. 
how do you identify betting locations via Onyx? Mm. Trails leading to nowhere is probably the best thing. You can't always find that on Onyx. Onyx has some recent imagery, which is kind of nice, and some leafless imagery that is pretty nice for this kind of stuff. Uh, so if you can find trails that lead into something and deer don't leaf from there, at least out the other side, it's a good chance that there's bedding there. That's a good one. Um, I would say that if you have never been there, um, then it could be tough. But if you've been to the area, you know what things look like, you can know. Like I'm, I'm looking at the map all the time when I'm on the ground. So I have an idea of what blue stem looks like as compared to a plum thicket or, you know, what persimmon trees look like as opposed to uh, cedar elms or something maybe. So that that helps when what you can do that. What about soapberries compared to oaks? Can you tell the difference I could, in those? I could definitely tell okay. the difference in those. Um, Good. Um based off of the fact that there are no oaks in <laughs> so much berry country pretty much. Um, so yeah, that's, I think that that's, that's how you can really start to dial that stuff. Um, if you don't have uh, prior experience there, then probably um, Casey has a really good point. And I think also you can just tell uh, when stuff is kind of thick, but not big trees. That's going to, you know, big trees are going to typically block out the sunlight and keep down the stem count a little bit. So just having that idea and maybe knowing what CRP field looks like and find a thick stuff that's thicker but not trees, not big trees. How close do you set up to doe bedding for the rut? Oh, and also on that last question, uh, because it's a bedding question, it's similar to this one, but like um, you want to you wanna typically, like, I don't know, does are going to bed close, cl- pretty close to food. Probably the later it gets to in the season, the closer they'll bed to food sometimes. Uh, but overall, like they're going to bed a little bit closer to food than bucks, I think, overall. Um, so that kind of gives you an idea on what you're looking at. If you want to try to find a buck's bed, he's probably going to be like, I don't know, 600 to a mile from his food source, you know, more than likely. It just depends. There's so many variables. But what was the the, the next question was doe bedding? How yep. close? How close do you set up to doe bedding? Um, I mean, I, I sit up very close to it if I'm hunting, if I'm hunting like deer that are checking that doe bedding during the rut. So I'm typically very close to it on the downwind side or, or wherever I can get, um, because they're going to, I mean, deer are going to just walk, man. And they're going to, they're not just going to be like, Oh, I'm going to go 150 yards down to this doe bedding. They're going to get right near it, man. Cause they want to smell and they want to be there ready to bust up in there if they smell it, you know. So they're they they they're going to check it with their eyes, too, a lot of times, I think. So Yeah. I uh, like to be able to shoot the, like, hook trail around it. So, you know, it's say they're bedding in this little thicket. I mean, you're going to want – they're going to be, like, 70 yards from, like, the center of that thicket probably. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Sorry. Preferred times to sling corn in relation – to sunrise and sunset. Ooh, this is a great question. It is a good question. Um, it probably depends on if you're rifle hunting or bow hunting, mm-hmm. and it also depends on uh, if you got pigs, and it might depend on if you how early you think you can get to the stands. You know, um, I just set mine a little different at my house because uh, I I kind of like to watch deer. I don't want to watch deer with my kid. But at the same time, I uh, 
have a hard time getting in there fairly early in the evenings because of, of work and other responsibilities. So I usually sling mine just a little bit before sunset. But if you're on a relatively unpressured piece of ground and you know you can get there pretty early, you might want to be slinging it an hour and a half before sunset. That way you got deer in there all afternoon. Mm-hmm. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, or if you work, you might want want to put it closer to dark because mm-hmm. you may not be able to get out there in time or whatever. Yeah. Um, also, it's a real good way to scare the toots out of you if you have it go off too early in the morning. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're just sitting there close to it. Yeah, I mean, you. I typically like in the mornings to have them uh, set to where they – yeah, it's pretty light when it goes off so that I – I mean, it's definitely shooting light, not just shooting light, but mm-hmm. light that I can see to shoot in uh, typically because I want those deer coming out good. Yeah, and also uh, another thing that can happen – look at that. Uh, Mark Drury is hunting a, the biggest buck I've ever seen in my life on TV <laughs> right now. Um, Every single year. They aren't showing the feeder in this footage, though. Uh, so <laughs> um, another thing in the mornings, too – Deer, like, when they get feed trained, which isn't my favorite thing, honestly, like, you know, whatever. Um, But, like, if they really are into the corn, uh, they'll show up, like, 10 minutes early sometimes and wait on that feeder to go off. And you don't want that going on when you're trying to get into your stand in the mornings or in the evenings. Hunting and timber, when do you move to grab your bow after spotting a deer? As soon as I can. Mm -hmm. I mean, if if, – I think if you see a deer in timber – um, you know, if it's open, open timber, you got to be careful. But a lot of times if he's coming, if you see him early enough, I guess it just depends if you see him early enough enough or not. But like, um, you know, I typically try to have the bow very close and I, t- I try to have, um, almost be able to grab it without looking because, um, I want to be able to watch that deer because as soon, you know, like you can move slowly and get away with if he looks up at you like I think I saw something. He looks up and you stop, then you can get away with that a lot. But if you if you're moving slowly and he looks up and you're looking at your bow and you don't see him look up at you and you're still moving when he looks up, then you're not going to get away with that. Mm-hmm. So I guess as quick as possible, grab your bow, you know, and and then the draw is kind of a different whole different deal. Yeah, I think uh, having the being able to grab your bow without having to give it too much of attention is a big point, and I've tried to make sure I do that. I try to make sure my bow hanger lets my bow sit to where I can reach straight out and grab it. I don't have to grab the handle and then twist the bow or something. It's just extra movement, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. If you like Michael, he just holds your bow. He, I've noticed in the stand, Michael just holds his bow a lot, just ready to go. Really? Yeah. I think it might be a Big Woods thing. You never know when they're going to show up or something, you know. But, oh, yes. Oh, did. Um, so... Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, those are good. I like what you had to say there. Should I hunt rainy cold fronts? Halloween. Spooky uh, story. Rainy cold fronts. Yeah. If you're not filming, just go hunt in the rain. I mean, not pouring down rain, but it's drizzling and cold. Absolutely. We hunted one recently. Me and Eric, we got into a ground blind, mm-hmm. which was handy. I didn't actually even think that I had a ground blind. I didn't think about the fact that I had one back there, you know, until we were back there already. And I was like, hey. Let's get the ground blind. I forgot to put this out like a week ago, you know. That's funny. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it's definitely going to have a lot going on outside just the drizzle. I almost feel like the drizzle doesn't help. It's just a thing that coincides with other really good things that are happening. Mm-hmm. Should I rattle near a feeder? Um. Yeah, 
Yeah, I think I so. mean, it's a place that deer come into contact with one another. I haven't done it successfully. Have you? Yeah, I have. Yeah. Yep, I have. I, I, uh, I guess it's probably the only buck I've rattled in and shot. Really? Yep. Was near a feeder. Yep. What time of the year do you see scrapes? I rattled in a buck the other day, by the way. I think I talked about that on the last podcast. Not at a feeder. On yep. public land. I remember you saying that. And I could have shot him, but I didn't because I think he's about three quarters of an inch too small for legalities. You wanted to, though. <clears throat> Oh, dude. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I wanted to, man. I was shaking so bad. What time of the year do you see scrapes the most active? Probably the first week of November. Mm. Um, because it's like the bucks are full on seeking and they're like establishing things and just a lot of stuff's going on at once. People will say the last week of October is scrape week and it's yeah. a great time to kill one there, but I think that I've seen that deer are making random little scrapes a lot and that ain't near as good as like a hub scrape that you'll find in the first week of November. Yeah, I think so too. We saw a bunch of scrapes on one tree we hung a camera on on public yesterday. Depends on where you're at too though. Yeah. Because you saw some really good scrape action in Arkansas last year. Yeah, but I didn't actually see the scrape action. I saw the scrapes. You know, obviously, yeah, they were they had been worked, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it does depend on where you're at. But the the rut might have been different there mm-hmm. too, and just like it might be different in Mississippi and wherever else. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it does depend on where you're at. But like the general, uh, what people think of as that first of November kind of rut, um, I'm a, I'm 100% in agreement with you. I think that first week of November is when. The the rubs or the scrapes have really gotten dialed. Mm-hmm. Like they know which ones are the hot ones now, and then they're just using them like crazy. For our East Texas friends, I think it's more the third week of November, just to kind of give the the home crowd a nod. Right, and that what we usually see on Texas cameras. Um, like the fourteenth and on. The fourteenth is the day for the seeking camera movement that we've seen. Mm-hmm. Um. But there was some pretty good scrape action on our camera last night. Yeah, but it's going to get better. You think? Oh, yeah. But we're in the second week. Mm-hmm. So you think it'll get better in the third week? Mm-hmm. I do, personally. All right. This says, I'm not using trail cameras to feeding or to feeding areas from bedding. Any tips? He's not using them? Yeah, I'm assuming, like, he any tips on, like, where to hunt, I guess, because he's not – Getting information from that. Oh, assuming that's what that means. Okay, I mean, yeah, we can answer it that way. That's a, so. He's saying without the use of trail cameras, how to hunt, feed to bed. Yeah, is that what he's saying? I assume so. Um, you got to get there early, and you got to have your wind really dialed, and you have to be ready for deer to go past you because the first one that comes to you may or may not be one that you want to shoot. If you go too far without data you're liable to have gone too far down the branching of trails and you won't see the target animal that you're trying to kill. Mm-hmm. So there's like this balance and it might only be through observation that you make a couple of moves after you go in there to to choose. You're good at this. What else? I, I like what you're saying. I think it's good. I mean, I'm guessing he's trying to hunt buck bedding or bedding mm-hmm. more than the food source. But I mean... I'd hunt the food source in the evenings and to figure out what's around if if it's good cold evening, yeah. you know. Glass in the evenings if it doesn't work out for you wind-wise yep. or whatever. Yeah. 
by diameter, what range of small tree, what range of small tree sizes should I expect to see rubs? Hmm. Um, I would expect to see rubs on uh, two to four inch trees most of the time, diameter wise. And um, if you are in like big woods or something like that or any places really, it's weird how this works out in a lot of places. Um, just you can look for cedar trees and that will be where a rub is a lot of times. <laughs> yeah. You know. Yeah. Also so. sassafras. <clears throat> yeah, mm-hmm. they do like to. They rubs. like them on my place. Scrapes in the timber or scrapes on a field edge. Man, if you can find a good scrape in timber, it's probably better For than sure. a scrape on field edge. The problem is they're hard to find. Mm-hmm. Like we were just thinking about an East Texas one that's in the timber, and it's like the best scrape we have. Yep. But you can make a field edge scrape work really good too, because they're easier to find. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just depends on the pressure more than anything, probably. Mm-hmm. How comfortable are saddles? In relation to um, <laughs> a box floating <laughs> in relation to floating in space, not very good. Um, they are adequately comfortable for running gun hunting. That's what I would say. I think if you're in decent shape, like you know, it's it's just like we got you know buddies that are big old you know ex athletes or whatever, yeah. right? And and their knees hurt a lot. You know, um, they may not be in in shape anymore. I think that that's kind of important, right? If you're if you're a dude that's like six six, three fifty nine, <laughs> dude, you might not be super comfortable in a saddle. You might not be a saddle guy. You might yeah. not be a saddle guy. So and that's okay. Or if you're you know five foot three three hundred pounds, <laughs> you know you might also be kind of hard fit in the saddle. You know, so I mean, I think uh, they're they're adequately comfortable, like you said. Um, there are some that are more comfortable than others. You can look at, um, you know, reviews and saddle groups on Facebook or whatever, you know, to figure, figure that out. You can ask people, you know, that saddle hunt and that's cool. Look at that decoy. Yeah. It yeah, looks like a mounted man. head on a decoy body. Yeah. Well, wow. These dudes just have playgrounds, man. Dude, I'm about to do that. Um, <laughs> so I think that. I would rather hunt out of probably like a sling seat tree stand than I would, though, out of a saddle if I had my choice. Yeah. We just don't do a lot of like just pre-hung sets. So nope. saddle's the way to go. Oh, yeah. It's um, way easy. It's quick. It's, it's quiet. It's yeah. lightweight. The best thing you can do, in my opinion, if you want to be comfortable in a saddle, is to use it kind of like just a lean-in post and do a lot of standing and kind of leaning into it. When you go to like bending your knees and kind of really putting a lot of weight into it, that's when it goes to hurting for mm-hmm. me. Do bucks use rubs in daylight? Yeah. Yep. Mm-hmm. Granular blocks or corn? Granular blocks. Um, corn. Yeah, corn for sure. Yeah. Granular blocks. Um, I mean, I don't know. I'm trying to think of like why that would be beneficial. Does that mean it, like something that looks like a salt lick, but it's a big old block That's of, what I think. of yeah. food? Mm-hmm. I think maybe because it's, it's harder to pretty get hard off. for a pig to mess that up, and yeah. maybe it's just, okay. it just lasts for a long time. I, I've never used one. 
So I've used salt blocks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think if you're gonna if you're gonna need something that lasts a long time, I think a salt block is a good option. It's cheap, and I would imagine cheaper than a granular granular block and lasts a while. I know our friend Cody uses those mm-hmm. a lot. I'll um, tell you what else. Um, there's a whitetail specific brand of salt block that's a lot more expensive, and I can't tell the difference in one of those and just a regular old yeah Morton's. cattle or yeah. whatever. They work um, just fine. Yeah, so I mean, I definitely am all about putting the corn on the ground when I can. What sign or indicators are you looking for to identify buck bedding versus other deer beds? Rubs. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Uh, um, big tracks. Mm-mm. No. <laughs> Never mind. I Thought mean, I said it wrong. No, I, I. Uh, <laughs> it's a hard thing to look at. That's exactly what yeah. I was gonna say. It's, but I, mean, I think for most people, that could be a difficult thing. Yeah. Right. Don't look for dew claws. Mm-mm. No, that would not be the thing to do. Um, I think that one of the things that gives it away often for me is a singular bed. You see a singular bed somewhere. Yeah, that's a good point. And that's a good chance it's a buck. Might not be, but if you see multiple beds, especially multiple beds of different sizes, it's for sure a doe family group. Yeah. And don't be like, oh, these are beds in the middle of this field. Yeah, they bed there at 3 a.m. while Mm -hmm. they're chewing their cud. Don't even worry about those. They got to be in thick stuff probably. I mean, but yeah. Rubs are, rubs, if it's a, if it's, you know, in the rut, like we're talking about, there should be some rubs close to the bed if it's a buck. y'all figure out casey's theory about territorial rub lines we did we did yeah you called me yesterday and said that y'all listened back and found it on a rut fresh i think right yeah it's 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 uh it's still debatable why we were so amped up about it because i'm I'm trying to figure out like the theory we talked about originally is more elaborate than the theory that we put out on a podcast Mm -hmm. i think though the one at least where we're at right now is i was hunting a piece of ground in East Texas, and what happens in early October is you start seeing these rubs pop up, kind of like scrapes do. It's a very similar situation where a tree gets rubbed. Like, all right, cool, there's a buck around. And then he goes over there and does it. He goes over there and does it. He goes all around and does it, and then you end up with some rubs out on this property, and you're like, okay, whatever. Well, and then a couple weeks, the rubs that have more action, like that get hit over and over again, and they you can tell that that's going on, I think that that is a good indicator that a deer is spending a lot of time there or there are multiple bucks in the area. So, like, there's a reason that the deer are spending a lot of time there. Maybe it's like a, a indicator that there's good food source or they're checking the area for doe bedding or who knows, but but a uh, a community rub that is used often is a good indicator of a good place to be. So would you say it's a particular type of rub? Uh, a POTR? <laughs> Peter. Peter. Yep. I would say it would be, yeah, yeah, for sure. So I think that two of those are going to be in places. I, I'm pretty convinced nowadays, personally, that um, some rubs are visual indicators, that deer are doing it, and not that like they're like, I want to make sure people see or – the deer see that I'm here, but I think that maybe at least the uh, the end product is a visual indicator to other deer. 
that there's a, a buck around, you know. So I think that that uh, is the particular type of rub, one that's, like, very visible. So a Peter um, was something that we saw in the spot that we hung our trail camera yesterday. Yeah. And there was a big buck we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Showed up that day. That day in daylight. Peter, ready Peter. To, just 15-yard shot is all. I would have had a 15-yard shot. The arrow eater. That's it, man. Yeah. Um, also, you mentioned in that that scrapes were very – in a similar category and that's why you're at the time more relating to those peters because the scrapes were also popping up all over the place mm-hmm. and being these little things that like just somebody made because they just you know were a 1.5 that thought frisky. he was going to do something right and nobody paid attention to it because it's in a weird spot anyway and the, mm-hmm. the mature buck's going to walk where he wants the 1.5 is going to tiptoe around if he feels like anybody's got some testosterone and muscle mass in their neck you know mm-hmm. and so essentially saying that those like big hub scrapes or community scrapes had not had not like realized yet but the peters were in the woods and that's where you were I have a thought them. that might have been like I'm sitting here thinking about these, um, like this theory, and I kind of wonder if it wasn't like a big thing that was greater than this, and we were thinking about wind-dependent bedding and bucks checking doe bedding on certain winds. And yeah. if you saw rubs that were in this certain spot, it would be downwind of doe bedding and so you can assume that deer walk east to west here on a northeast wind. Uh, yeah. Yep. You get what I'm saying? Yep, I understand. Like there might be a thing there. Yep. So yeah, maybe that maybe that kind of helps. So it, we're a little bit past that time of uh, yeah the year, but maybe next year in early to mid October you can be looking for Peters yeah. too. Y'all look this up. Hunt feed or travel corridors to feed. Mm. I mean, I'd hunt food all the time if I felt like there was going to be shooter bucks there. So I guess via uh, my analysis of pressure. And I think that the travel corridors gets tricky because you have deer coming from all directions sometimes. But if you have a like destination food source, the travel corridor can help you out because it can kind of off of Tyler's point certain times of year you're not getting bucks there in daylight so you have to go back and hunt the travel corridor to find a deer shoot i would say the majority of the time the travel corridor is kind of really the place mm-hmm. that it's going to happen um you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to hunt them on food most places most properties how do your rattling sequences change throughout the season i feel like we answered this last time or something similar. I mean, I probably like the other day. I didn't. I didn't really give it too much until the wind kind of kicked up. Um, so I kind of did like some light rattling in thicker cover. And I think most of the time it's really more based off of um, like it's more based off of your your habitat that you're hunting than it is the time of year. But definitely. Like, when you start getting away from that first week in November on either end of the spectrum, it's probably not, like, it's probably not a very realistic thing to just do an all-out knockout brawl. Mm-hmm. I uh, I don't know if mine changes much at all throughout. 
I just don't rattle a whole lot in early October. And then maybe I'm a little lighter with it in late October. But uh, unless I'm trying to get the attention of a deer that's way off and I know he's there, then I don't really just absolutely try to break my thumbs off ever, I don't think. Especially after my experience last year when I broke tines and gave myself a black eye and all kinds of stuff <laughs> with the antlers. It's not worth it, guys. This person missed a buck last week, Aww. but there's still fresh rubs where he is. Uh, how should he hunt it now? Uh, man, unless he smelled you or saw you in the tree, I don't think that like mm-hmm. spooking a deer with an arrow missing him is that big of a deal. I think you just was like, whoa, that was weird, and just got out of Dodge. Yep. And they do that probably, I mean, if I was not not being exaggerative, they probably do that 15 times a day. Least expensive non-res OTC tag. Wisconsin. <laughs> Where do I want to send people? Michigan. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Wisconsin. If you're the first, if it's your first time, it's eighty dollars, I think. So I mean, that's that's uh, don't like take me to court on that, but that's I believe that's right. Most ideal camper slash pop up slash truck bed attachment for Texas. An air conditioner. Mm, for sure, something with air conditioning. What? So is that was that the question? Mm-hmm. Like, what would you add to your camping setup? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, anything that's comfortable and has air conditioning. An air conditioner and a heater combo. Like, you're going to oh. need one or the other in Texas. <laughs> yeah, well, you're going to need it on the, know, same day. the same day is what you're going to need. Because it's going to be, you know. I remember when we first started, when I first started deer hunting, we were in South Texas, mm-hmm. you know. It's an arid country. Yeah. Dude, it would be like 22 in the morning. And we were in, we're staying in a house that didn't have any electricity. And I remember my dad would cut on the, the, uh, uh, like lantern, you know, mm-hmm. and the propane lantern and it would warm the, the room up like one degree maybe, <laughs> you know, and I would wait like 15 minutes and I'd finally get up and it was so cold. Right. And then literally we're eating lunch outside in our underwear mm-hmm. that day. Feels good. Yeah. Whenever it's like dry. And you get to take an underwear lunch. Mm-hmm. It's a nice time. Um, a lunch. If so, to kind of give more info here, I would say we added a microwave to our pop up last year, and mm-hmm. that was a game changer mm-hmm. because uh, microwaves take a little bit of juice. So you might make sure you're plugged in at a at a campsite or have a good um, generator. But uh, a microwave helped a lot because getting out the camp stove is kind of a hassle sometimes Mm -hmm. when you can just heat up a taco in about 35 seconds it's pretty legit which is better for hunting bucks rubs or scrapes 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 for sure i almost feel like we've we've talked a lot about scrapes and rubs in this podcast but um i don't even think about rubs as like a thing to hunt it's just sign you know a scrape is like a – it's like on par with a food source, whereas a rub is kind of more like a track for me. Like that's the, the – they're kind of – that's the kind of category they're in. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. All right, last question is uh, could you talk about how you handle meat slash hide slash skulls while you're on the road? Do you haul all your meat back, take it to a processor, and what do you do to make sure the hide won't slip? During traveling, have a lot of ice chests. Yeah, uh, it, 
there's like a legality thing nowadays with CWD regulations. So you have to watch out for that stuff. It's something, I guess, kind of a disclaimer right off the bat to just mm-hmm. talk about. You know, make sure you know what your regulations are in your state because nobody wants to get in any trouble. Yeah, you can you can take a Havilon and cape the whole head out if you want, and then you can just skull cap it and get rid of the, you know, brain matter and skull. And then you can take that hide and that skull cap with the horns on it. In most cases, you're illegal to travel with that. So just you got to look that up, right, when you travel. You got to look up your state and the state you're traveling across and the states that you're coming back to, which is home. So, uh, but that's kind of how you, one way you can do it, or you can uh, send it to a processor and take it to a processor and have them do all your meat. A lot of times they'll skull cap it for you or whatever, and then they can ship it or, you know, ship the meat at least. And you can take everything else back if you want. But, I mean, it, it is complicated, right? Especially if you shoot a deer and you're trying to get home, right? Um, you got to, it's just like part of the process you got to spend some time doing. Um, the so, uh, yeah, we took some meat to a processor the other day because we were hunting two states, and uh, I I kind of really appreciate a good processor because you don't feel like you're getting gypped too bad as long as you're not like just dirt poor and can't afford it, you know. And I'm thankful to have be able to do that every once in a while. And uh, that guy uh, gave us skulls, but had them cleaned out. They weren't like Euroed, but they were really clean, and he cleaned the brain matter out and stuff so that we could transport them. I mm-hmm. thought that was pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Worked out pretty well. Now, um, the hide stuff, yep. that gets kind of tough. I mean, what's nice is when you do take something to a, a processor, they have a flash freezer that's like negative 40 or something, so they can freeze stuff hard real quick, and they'll just put all that in a bag for you and freeze it, and it's frozen in like 15 minutes. And usually... If you play cards right, you can just pick up your stuff from a processor the day you're leaving and make it home before that stuff thaws out. Um, Where things get hard is whenever you don't feel good about fleshing out a skull yourself, but you also don't take your stuff to your processor, so you have a cape attached to a skull that's still on the face of the deer, and you got to try to keep that cold because those antlers don't really fit in a cooler very well. Mm -hmm. I, I mean, likely, if you're mounting a deer, he probably is big enough that he doesn't really fit in the cooler well. And the last time I did that, I just put his head down in a cooler as much as I could, hung the antlers out, and just piled ice on top of it. Mm-hmm. And it turned out fine. Actually, that has the, that's the best-looking cape I have, now that I think about it, of, of deer on the wall. So, so we did with my mule deer, which was a velvet deer. We just made a mountain of ice. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's expensive, and it was hot on the way home, so we had to keep checking it every couple hours and put more on top, you know, but – just made a mountain of ice in the back of the truck and just piled it on top. Um, another thing you can do if you if you want, um, if you're trying to, you know, if it's a potential state record, you may not want to do this. Um, but if you're just taking it home to get it mounted, um, I've heard a trick from a taxidermist that you can cut about, you know, I don't know, halfway, three quarters of the way through underneath the pedicle. If you've if you've fleshed the the hide off of the head, you know, if you've got it just a skull there, you can you can cut like halfway or three quarters of the way through underneath the horn pedicle. There's like there's a post of skull that leads up into the antler, right? You can cut that through that skull and don't go all the way, and then you break it off, and when it breaks off, that's like the puzzle piece that fits back together that the taxidermist can 
screw back in together and he knows like if you were to saw it off then technically that antler could be turned one way or the other and make it look kind of weird and not be as wide as he was or whatever so creating that puzzle piece by breaking it off is kind of what i've heard is a good way to do it especially if you have velvet and you want to put velvet in the ice chest you know mm-hmm. so that's kind of the ideas behind those things just keep the cape dry probably as much as possible put it in a trash bag and and uh put ice on it if uh something i thought about on one i have one cape that kind of is missing some hair but it's the deer that uh i had to leave overnight to find the next day and uh he kind of got drug out kind of weird and stuff we were kind of in a hurry um so he's kind of like this a couple places that are missing some hair it also was later in the year. It was like late November when I shot that deer. So I think one of the things to do is just kind of remember what that hide looked like. And at least um, if you get one that does have like some bad hair on it or something, you can say, huh, that was because of my care. Or, uh, you know, maybe it wasn't. Maybe whoever handled your cape for you didn't do a good job. But either way, you can you can like have a little bearing on was that adequate or not what I did. You know, because like, – you don't want to keep doing the same process if it didn't work out very good for you. Mm. Yeah, Tyler, mm. I have a question for you. Mm. You have been talking about having goals. Goals, baby. Yeah. What's your – so this is – you did your first bit of hunting. Actually, your November hunting about in your starts this afternoon, <laughs> right? Nice and hot. Yeah. This is your first November hunt. Well, what are your? So I think I I think I rattled in that deer in November. Oh, was it? That was a morning. Good. Hunt. So I've hunted like, like five sits, like like evenings. Mm-hmm. I think four. Well, if you don't include this morning, four sits mm-hmm. since October one. I wouldn't include this morning. I don't think you were really doing too awful oh, much. I definitely didn't see a deer for miles. <laughs> um, what are your rut goals right now, Tyler? That's what I want to know. My rolls? Yeah. Um, man, that's a good question. I think my goals for the rut are I think that I would like to shoot one deer okay. uh, at least, right? So I kind of have that as a goal uh, because it feels a little bit hopeless when you get past <laughs> the rut and haven't shot a deer. You know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah. that's that's a, I don't like I thought, that feeling. I should have waited on your complete thought. Because I thought you just like it feels a little bit hopeless, and I thought you'd be like right now. Everything like, you're kind of right. It definitely does. <laughs> no, I think I think like when you start getting to like the third week of November, and uh-huh. you haven't shot a deer in November, you start to kind of like, oh man. I mean, I even a couple of years back, as you know, got to the tenth of November and was like, dude, I don't know if I'm going to shoot another deer this year. And yeah, then, then I shot three a more mondo, yeah. you know. Um, so it can definitely happen, and I think I get more and more optimistic about that stuff every year, especially hanging around you. But um, well, like, see, it's funny how that works. Um, you're turning out to be like my me. pessimism is coming out these oh, days. Dude, I'm the right worst. now, I feel like I'm not going to kill another deer this year. You're not. You're going to kill <laughs> lots of other deer. <laughs> uh, I yeah. So I just kind of I think that the goal is like here soon to k- kill a deer because. Uh, when you kill a deer in the rut, then it kind of takes pressure off because you're like, okay, I did what I was supposed to do this year, yes. which was kill a deer during the best time of the year. Mm-hmm. Now, if I get one, it's a bonus after that, right? Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of uh, – that's probably like my main big goal. Um, and then I think that another goal is because of all the sitting around and editing and stuff that I did that I just mentioned 
led to you know four sits in a month or whatever. I think that I my one of my other goals is to. Um, I was trying to move on to a different scripture, but um, you know, I'm gonna go back to the proverb scripture that I mentioned in the Nebraska episode where it says, "Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding." And um, I mean, if you truly believe in that statement, it, it cures anxiety pretty good, you know. Mm-hmm. And I think that I've had some FOMO and anxiety with all these people killing deer and being out in the good weather, and me just not being able to get out there at the time because, you know, doing work. It's weird, like you get into deer hunting, you try to be have a career or whatever deer hunting so that you can hunt more. And then all of a sudden you realize one year it's like, Oh, well for some reason this year I'm actually hunting less than I ever have, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of got, like I said, anxious and a lot of FOMO and I'm trying to just be a little bit more, uh, to have, um, uh, how does, how did Joe Dale say it? Um, satisfied mind. Got to have a satisfied mind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's and good, man. So that's, that's what I'm trying to do and just enjoy like, even though it's hot, man, it's it's beautiful day outside. It is, and we're just sitting here in camp, um, with not a lot to do outside. I mean, outside of go back hunting again at this point. I actually have a lot to do. Yeah, you you got a few things more taken care of than I do. I I tend to be that way. Tyler's a little more put together than I am. I don't know if y'all <laughs> realize that or not. Well, <laughs> apparently it leads to more anxiety. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, just to, just eating good food and hanging out with yeah. some of my best friends on planet Earth, man, and my dad. It's gonna be up here pretty soon and. It's just going to be – It's I don't know. It's the best time. We are having man. a good time, man. Yeah. I think that uh, since you didn't ask me my goals, I'm just going to tell I figured you were going to tell. <laughs> yeah, but it, I, I can ask you if you want. Yeah, ask me. I'd like, like to hear you phrase Casey, it. I got a question for you, man. What is that, Tyler? As far as the rut goes, <laughs> on that note, what are your, what are your goals? South <laughs> However, what are, your, for, what are your goals for the rut? Um, I want to kill two bucks – before Thanksgiving Day, oh, baby. I, will, I will feel a lot better if I do that. Now that's a lot of deer, but I'm I like kind of set high standards for myself. Last year I killed five before Thanksgiving Day, and then I didn't kill. Actually, I didn't kill another buck after November eighth last year. Yeah, you went which wild. Is Today. we're already past that. <laughs> and I've killed Whoa. two. Yeah, hey, that's a weird thing to think about. It is a weird thing to think about. Um, so. Uh, on that note, um, mm-hmm. I, I have some work to do, and one of those deer I want to kill from a tree, at least one. Oh, that's cool. Uh, yeah, because uh, I've killed some deer from the ground, and I would really like to just sit in a tree without a deer knowing I exist and just have him come in close, relaxed, and shit. Like, it's it's such an enjoyable feeling, and it's so different than my last experience which was, let me just take out my big lighter and hot, light my hair on fire and try to shoot a deer. <laughs> that was just, Dude. I, it's, it's so fun. I'm not, I'm, I'm not downplaying it, but it is, some people go to the woods to relax and escape, and you don't get that whenever you yeah. do that kind of deal. The last deer you killed from a tree was a year ago. Yeah, a year ago today. How about that? That's wild. Looser. Uh, but you did kill one in an ambush set up. In earlier this year, yeah, it's from the ground though, and he knew we were in there. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah, it was. A, it was still stressful. Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, but we're gonna do it. Bedded moose. Bedded moose. Boost. Bull med. Bull bedding, dude. That's him. Let's dude. go. Yeah, yeah. Well, guys, that is the extent of the rut Q and A. If you want more of this Q and A stuff for late season stuff, let us know. We might do another one here around the beginning of December. Uh, remember. 
It's November 8th today. I'll be the 9th or 10th or 11th when you're listening to this. But the rut is not over. You have a lot of time left. There's a lot of deer still in the woods. So don't get too stressed out. And remember, this is your element. Live in it. Clean and protect your firearms with Riptide Armory. Riptide Armory's products are military and professionally formulated and approved, featuring a groundbreaking graphene-infused ceramic coating that is safe for all surfaces, providing unmatched protection for any firearm. Discover a new standard in gun maintenance. Order your advanced cleaning kits today at RiptideArmory.com. Riptide Armory, relentless performance for your firearms. I've been telling you guys about Land.com to help you find a place to call your own and do all the hunting and fishing and hanging with the family that you want. While owning your own piece of land is something that can generate memories, I can speak to this personally because my family, we own a couple small, beautiful little backcountry parcels it can also generate income in both the near and long term like starting a rental business slash family compound that can benefit both this and future generations check out the hundreds of thousands of rural listings from across america enough dreaming about it land.com is the place to find and invest in your open space 